Do you have persistent feelings of inadequacy, self-doubt and fears of being exposed as a fraud? If the answer is yes, then you could be one of the many millions of us that suffer with imposter syndrome. According to YouGov, 66% of Britons find it difficult to receive praise or compliments from others. Around 57% downplay their achievements and criticise themselves more than others criticise them. Imposter syndrome is real, and for many people, it prevents them from moving forward in their lives. In this episode of 115 Miles, Josh and I go deep on this topic, both from a personal exploration and also how it might show up for others. Josh shares his framework for acknowledging and addressing feeling like an imposter and how to move through it. We really hope it might help those people who suffer from it in a debilitating way and give them some perspectives on how to move forward. As always, we're super grateful to all our listeners for showing up. Please do follow, like or comment as it genuinely makes a difference to our reach and it will help us to continue to push the boundaries of our conversations. Okay, let's head into the episode. This is 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Kaya. We hope you're sitting comfortably because this is about to get uncomfortable. Are you waiting for me to finish that or what? No, I'm just doing an uncomfortable stare. Okay. How's it going? Feels good, mate. Yeah. You're not sweating anymore these days. <laughs> Why is that? Because I'm not binge eating. I'm not in the midst of a of a uh, of a binge fest. It's a good time to stop sweating just before the summer comes right mate uh the the reality is is i'm not i won't stop sweating yeah. i'm a sweater are you a sweater i've just started sweating actually <laughs> i mentioned this to you didn't i <laughs> i started working out a bit more well i never used to work out at all before so i work out now and i sweat so i i think i said this to you didn't i but the if you sweat more it's a sign of being more fit apparently is that have you just told yourself that just to make yourself better <laughs> feel better in life <laughs> Have I ever told you I did? Because uh, I uh, like I'm like Lee Evans when I'm speaking, right? When I'm doing like a speaking gig, yeah, uh, I sweat like bad. And uh, I was doing this, I was doing a, a, a talk at a conference for a, like a law firm up north. Yeah, and um, I got I was at the front. They were getting ready, like micing me up and all that sort of stuff. And the guy was like, uh, he'd mentioned something about the is it too hot? Is it cold? How would you feel about the temperature? And I was like, listen, I'm all, I always think it's too hot. So don't let me be the judge. I was like, when I'm talking, I'm like Lee Evans. And he's like, oh, so it's going to be witty and upbeat. <laughs> I was like, no, I just sweat like crazy. And the worst thing is, yeah, is after you finish speaking, everyone wants to not just chat, but have a hug. Oh, and I'm like, you're clammy. I'm all, I'm soaking sometimes, yeah. especially in the summer, mate. I've got <laughs> one more story. I did a talk once in London and it was at, uh, I forget the name of the hotel, but there's a few of them in London. And Hilton. I went, I went <laughs> That's where you like to stay, isn't it? Hilton Hotel tattooed on my arm, mate. Why? Got married there. Oh. Yeah, in Jamaica. Um, anyway, I turned up at the wrong one. Would, wouldn't it have been better to do the Jamaican flag? Uh, that could be any Hilton, couldn't it? Uh, yeah, but you can't do the, the, the sleeves black and white. Oh, yeah, you wouldn't be able to... It yeah. wouldn't work, yeah. Mm. Um, so I turned up at this hotel, and it was the wrong one. And the other one was like... It was like... A, so I was going to be late, oh, yeah? But, and I had to get to the other hotel. Yeah. And it was a case of, like, the tube... I'm panicking already, man. The, I I hate being late. I it hate. was middle of summer, heat wave, yeah? Jeez. I hate being late. 
the ch I can't remember the distance, right? But the tube distance was the same as the walking distance. <sighs> and it meant I would be late, either one. Okay. So I thought, well, I'll walk, I'll do the walk because I can make a lot of time up, more time than I would yeah. relying on the tubes. Yeah. And I basically jogged the whole way there. And when, oh. I got, when I got there, mate, I was wearing a shirt, you know, like a button up. I was not just a bit sweaty. Like it was, dr I was soaking. Oh, I mean, no. soaking wet, yeah. I feel really icky just <laughs> thinking about it, really. Turning up to a, an event. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm getting hot thinking about it. Yeah, me too. I like air conditioning. Do you? I, I love, love air con, mate. Like, that's what's good about hot countries. We d we're not really geared up for... When it gets hot. Global warming in this no, country. No, no. Not, are we? No. We s we're going to suffer twice. Would you give up the winter for it to be hot all year round? No, I like the winter. Really? I like the seasons. Oh, you fucking weirdo. Why? I just don't need winter, man. I'd rather live somewhere that was hot all of the time and I'll go, if I want the cold, I'll go on holiday for it. No? You're not having it? No. I like the seasons. Yeah, you're fucking old, don't you? That's just an age <laughs> what, thing. What, is it just right? old people that like seasons? <laughs> when you get old, you like getting... Don't you like by the don't fire? You like when you, you? Yeah, no, you, everyone likes that all the time. No, I don't, mate. No, you're I like it to be hot. I like it to be so. My house. You're weird, by the way. Just no, mate. Put that no, it's not. It's what not. do you like? Seasons, all seasons, or are you just a, yeah? Or you like the winter? Yeah. Why? Well, I like it. I like the winter when it's summer, and I think, oh, I wish it was like warm, like in my house and cozy. Yeah. Like dark. Yeah. Yeah, we just I think a lot. Yeah. I think a yeah. lot of people do that. By the yeah. way, yeah, I think I which do is that, which maybe. is yeah. What? So when it's winter, you think our oh, summer's lovely, and when it's I'm summer, you think that's nothing to do with the weather, though, is it? I'm into change. That's man. always that's to Sometimes do with believing really that happiness like is over there. And oh come on, man, we're talking about the weather. <laughs> happiness is. I went to the chiropractor once. Yeah. Uh, and it I sounds said like to him, it should be a joke. It's not a joke. Oh, okay. And I said to him, uh, it was raining, and when I got there, I said, "Oh, miserable weather out there, isn't it?" And he said, "No." It's raining. You're miserable. And then he said, can you wipe that sweat off your brow? <laughs> he said, I'm it's not putting me off. you shower. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good start. Good start. Good start. All right. So we are on the 4th of April, Josh. We have completed one quarter of the year. Yeah, man. That went by quickly, didn't it? It feels like it went by really quickly. However, the winter feels like it's gone on for years, man. You hate the winter. That's probably why. Sorry, yeah. Okay. We've moved on from that. Sorry. Now, okay, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Um, how did this quarter go? So I want to know. So, so for check-in today, right? Yeah. I want to know your biggest win for this quarter and anything there or things that you didn't nail that you wanted to in this quarter. Things that I didn't nail is the second yeah. question. Um, yeah. Okay. So things that I didn't nail... There's a, a course that I'm working on or an online sort of support kit. Uh, I should have nailed that in January, February, and I didn't. I procrastinated about it uh, a bit too much at the beginning. And then I did just, you know, other things came up and I started working on other things. And now it's sort of too late to introduce it in terms of like my next cohort of inner you that's coming up and stuff like that. So it has to wait now till June, which is not the end of the world, but... I failed on that. I, I like, tr and I, I proper was desperately trying to get that done. So that's what. And what do you think got in the way 
Are you doing it just too busy or did you get in your head about it a little bit? Not got in my head about it. I just, there were times when, when I haven't got like a pushed, when I haven't got an actual deadline, yeah. I sometimes struggle to, to work. So like I will, uh, I will like, not I'll not work instead of sitting down. So there was banks of time when I could have sat down and got things done. And instead of doing that, I, I don't know, went out for breakfast with Leah and stuff like that. So you won, really? Uh, yes, absolutely. I won on those occasions. No, but not just going out for breakfast or sat at home and just muddled about and like made a little for, oh, make a bit of content. Yeah. When I didn't need to make a bit of content, really. Yeah. So just... That was your basic procrastination. But then in the in the end, I did sort of run out of time. Wins, I really feel like the next quarter, so the run into next uh the next few months is is so mapped out for me now with the next cohort of Inner You. Debs, who often listens to this, has just been she's probably been the biggest win. So Debs came on to help me um in December. Yeah. So like December was bedding in and now January, January, since January, she's proper supercharged what I've done and what I do. Do you know what I mean? So she's probably the biggest, biggest success. And then everything that's come as a result of her being involved. Um, You're just saying this because, you know, Deb's listens, right? <laughs> no, I'm not. Honestly, I'm joking. I, no, I know you are. But but like genuinely, I didn't think we'd be able to do. Yeah. what we've done. So inner use set all set up now, you know, and then, and the community space, my community that I started in, I think November last year, breathing space has grown exponentially this year as well. From, yeah. From like quite a small community. I mean, I've definitely noticed it. I think since, um, since Deb's come on board, you're just way more professional. You were a complete joke before. That. <laughs> it's not wrong. You're no, not wrong. No, no, but genuinely, I think um, just the, the organization, the focus, like getting stuff done, like it's just stepping you from being, you know, you being a really good operator to you now be being a really solid business as yeah. well, you know, and I think just putting the infrastructure around that to almost, like you say, get ready for this next phase of whatever you're about to go into. Yeah. And I think you you probably wouldn't have got there as fast as you did if you it was just you, if I'm really honest. Oh, no way. I I wouldn't be doing half the things that I'm doing for, you know, I want in, in a you to, to grow massively this year. You know, I want it to reach as many people as possible. And the way that we're doing stuff now, that really seems like it could happen, you know, beyond what it, even the numbers that I thought it could do. Yeah, brilliant. What about you? Um, I will say that my biggest win for this quarter is just focusing on myself yeah i really um you know uh i've talked t like probably in a nauseatingly boring way about it every time we get on here but you know everything you talk about is nauseating <laughs> and boring <laughs> especially when i talk about you um yeah no just focusing on health on make sure you're close to that mic why because you're always fucking miles away from it sorry okay. start again Concentrating on yourself. On oh, myself, my health, my wealth. My, I'm trying to rhyme now. <laughs> <laughs> Self, health and wealth. No, um, yeah, just really like my priority this year was um, sort myself out to sort to help other people. Right? Yeah. And so that's really worked well. Been working out, been 
um, eating well, been sleeping well, you know, all of that's had a knock on effect. And, and this is probably the longest period I've seen you do those things, by the yeah. way, since I've known you. Yeah. No, I'm not taking a piss, like yeah. genuinely, like, yeah. yeah. And it's not changing. Yeah, I can sort of feel like something's clicked. And the benefit is probably the biggest win, which is just spending more time, having more energy for home and spending more time with the family, which is why I'm doing it, yeah. right? So at the weekend, we've got ping pong bats out and I'm playing table tennis with Robin and Lois and just you know that sort of stuff I I'm not saying I wouldn't have done it but I was just I didn't really have the energy to give anything back at the end of the day or at the week yeah like, yeah you weren't doing it right that's the thing yeah I, I know when you say I'm not saying I wouldn't have done it of course you would have done it but you weren't doing it yeah and I think that's and it passes you by in it with the kids man if you're not careful that shit passes you by yeah yeah definitely um and then in terms of fails I think um I've also, in trying to be so virtuous and get everything right, I've sort of fallen into some bad habits, D doing a lot of doom scrolling yeah. at the moment. And that just feels like I catch myself sometimes like, what am I, like I should have gone to bed at like 30, 40 minutes ago and then I'm still here like looking at recipes on TikTok or whatever, or restaurants or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't take your phone to bed, mate. <laughs> no, it's not upstairs. No, it'll be, I'll still be downstairs. Oh. But I should have been like, I need to go. You know, yeah, um, but it's not just then, it's like during the day, and what you know, it's like probably just, um, I don't know what it's pointing to. It's interesting, like, what, what am I trying to avoid by going there? It's obviously I'm trying to avoid something, um, and then I think the other thing is, um, just getting you know, one of my missions was we talked about this maybe on two episodes before was around kind of you know, my lack of efficiency, um, is a bit of a drainer for me, but also it's having an impact on the team. I think that's probably something I still need to work on, get better at it. Like it's, yeah. it is improving. I know what I need to do. I just haven't quite sort of taken the steps. So I think that's a focus for next quarter. Sweet, man. Good? Yeah, good. All right. This next segment is called Life's Big Questions. <laughs> that's a shit title, by the way. Uh, life's Really Big Questions. It's got no like, it needs like, what's the word when you have two words that have the same letter at the beginning what you know like it could be like it could be like um <laughs> life's big bashful questions you know when you do that do you know what i'm talking about oh is it alliteration don't know man i don't know i got oh. fucking a star in english at school did you yeah man good for you <laughs> who are you when no one else is watching an A-star English student. <laughs> Who am I when nobody's watching? Do you know what? When nobody, like, I wonder how many people are like this, yeah? I'm, I'm like, when I'm on my own, when nobody's watching, I am, um, I'm trying to think of the word to describe it. Go on, you, I feel like you're going to throw something at me there. No, I'm listening. <laughs> a mess. <laughs> no, I am a little bit, when I'm on my own, yeah, I'm a little bit, of a mess you know that doom scrolling that you talk about and stuff like that yeah. like i'll do that i'll do anything to not have to just sit with myself unless things have got really bad and then when i'm on my own i'll be like shit i need to do a breath work or something like that it's weird because i talk a lot about loving being on my own and time like that yeah and it's true but the slightly contradiction is that i'm also if i spend too long on my own i go into myself and it it's not a nice place to be mate so don't spend too much time with yourself, basically. Yeah, you know what's funny, man? It's like, 
you have this is why I'm always a little bit cautious of labels, yeah, because like I identify with all of the introverted traits, as in I recharge on my own, I like spending time on my own, but I also have to be careful that I don't use that, oh, I'm just introverted, as I'm going to avoid how uncomfortable it can sometimes make me to be around people. Yeah. And so, like, it's getting, it's making sure that I'm inclusive in that because I love being on my own and recharging, but if I'm on my own too long, then it becomes a not a very nice place. Yeah, man. So it's like, and that's why I know I'm a social being because I need to be around other people to switch my energy quite a bit. Well, that brings me on to my next question, which is why don't you like people, Josh? <laughs> <laughs> well, just for context, right, for listeners, I think we've mentioned it loads of times before, but you don't like people, do you, Josh? No, I don't. Look, let me, like, I say it semi-jokingly. Semi um... I say it semi-jokingly, but it's also true. It's also true. My, my, look, the reality is, is that I love people until I don't, and then I hate them and I don't want to be around them, yeah? When I say I hate people, I know a lot of it's my stuff. And I think when you're like highly intuitive, highly sensitive and highly tuned in to stuff, you realize how much we're all, myself included, putting on a show and I just find it fucking exhausting. And I find small talk exhausting as a result of that because you can just see beyond it all. And then I think like, I don't know, man. I feel like probably in my informative years when I was developing my view of the world, I was let down a lot by people that I shouldn't have been let down by. So that's probably the deep reason why I hate people. But if you want the more surface level reason that I'll give, it's just because I think people are fucking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have this WhatsApp group, which is like local community WhatsApp group, right? Yeah. It's really performative. It's quite middle class. What? Right? what? What? Just tell so me what all, the group so, is? What do so, you mean? So basically, so basically it started during um, lockdown, right? Mm -hmm. so as a way to get food to um, or, or supplies to people that couldn't, that were vulnerable, right? And couldn't go yeah. out. That's how it started. Then it just sort of morphed into this horrible life of its own. And I sort of, so one thing I am uh, when no one else is watching is massively judgy about that WhatsApp group. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> I lurk. I don't sort of jump in and like have a go at anyone. I just watch and just tut and have a word with Erin. And, well, and people get busy in there. People are busy as yeah, fuck. Yeah, but, this is but, one of the reasons I don't like it. Basically what happens is, you know, it's nice. There's some good things sometimes. It's like, here's this is going to charity or who wants this or whatever. But here's what someone posted the other day. And it just like, I don't know why it wound me up, but it did, right? Basically, someone had posted a photo of a used helium balloon, which was a happy fortune. <laughs> I did what you were going to say. Right? Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I should have finished that a bit more quickly. Someone posted yeah, a picture yeah, of a uh, used helium balloon. Helium balloon, right. And What's it was, a used helium balloon? What so do you mean? It, was, it had already been used at someone's 40th birthday party. Okay, right. It looked like it had... Got had a its bit best saggy. days. It yeah. a bit saggy. And they were, like, offering it out to, like, somebody that, you know might be able to use it. Who's got a 40th birthday the next day? It's probably got another 24 hours left in it, 
right? I'm thinking, if you're going to be celebrating your 40th birthday, you're going to have your decorations sorted, aren't you? Were there any takers? Did anybody take it? No. (laughs) No. That's it. I just think sometimes I I feel like you're just performing. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe people are going to flood us and say, no, that would just be generous. But I just feel like there's a lot of performing. There's only one thing you do with a used helium balloon, and that's suck it all in. That's what I said to Harry. Yeah, like, come on, take all the joy out of that balloon. For yourself. What a... Sh- that, I'm so glad I'm not in that WhatsApp group, mate. Yeah. Do you have a Bassett sort of... No. Yeah. And I fucking wouldn't be in it if we did have. Yeah. I'm in it just to watch people. Yeah. I never... Pretend- That's another I- reason I hate people. Because they watch. Yeah, because you're just in there. Just leave, man. <laughs> I can't... I if can't. somebody, like, moved in up the street... I'll tell you what... It, would you finish? go up and say to them, like... Nah. Oh, We've got a WhatsApp group if you want to come nah, in. Nah. Some guys from the suburbs. Now, what I'm waiting for is something that really disgusts me. And then I'll leave the WhatsApp group. Oh, what? Just passively, aggressively? Yeah, Won't say anything. Yeah, yeah. Just leave. Yeah, I've just left. Has anybody left in there? Yeah. Yeah. Do people go, oh, no, who was that? And someone goes, oh, it's Janet. She weren't, oh, she spoke to me outside the school the other week and said she wasn't happy about the 40th helium balloon. <laughs> <laughs> Should have gone when Janet. But so I'm in a couple of WhatsApp groups for the kids' football teams. Yeah. So there's one that I'm in. And I'm not going to name them, but there's one that I'm in that's good, yeah? When there's a game coming up, they put the times in there, yeah? There's another one that I'm in. It's kids football, this is. And they people post stuff in there, man. Like like jokes and that. There's a few sort of football jokes in there. Then there's a couple of jokes in there that are like, you're like, that's not funny, man. Racist? Uh, No, not racist, but quite racist. sexist. Racy? Quite sexist, oh, no. Sexist. Yeah, but like... Like around the women's Euros, for example, there was a lot of shit in there that was good. There's kids in there as well, is No, it? no, no, no. Uh, it's just the parents, parents, like, yeah, but... Oh, and then one of them, one of them descended into pandemonium when the two teams... So there's a few teams for that club at the same age, and the two teams from the same club played each other. After the game... I went and watched the game. The game seemed all right. Like, it was kids that knew each other, so there was a bit of yeah. beef going on. They're yeah. like 11, yeah. yeah? The fucking parents in the WhatsApp group afterwards. Really? Yeah, your kid was at my boy. And another one was like, yeah, but we're not going to say anything about what your boy did to my boy, are we? No one's going to talk about that, are they? Fucking hell, man. Those kinds of groups are sort of a bit lawless, aren't they? Oh, my days, man. And then someone tries to come in and sort of be the admin. Yeah. Well, WhatsApp's a bit like Facebook, isn't it? So, like... Owned by Facebook as well. Well, I know it's owned by them, yeah. But it's that demographic, isn't it? Like my daughter, who's nearly seven, she don't use WhatsApp. And when I say, why don't you use, she's got it now because I made her get it to be in a WhatsApp yeah. group with the, everyone yeah. in the house. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise she wouldn't use it. When I say, why don't you use it? She says, because I'm not 40. Yeah, it's really. Yeah. And it's the same with Facebook, isn't it? Oh, well, I know about Facebook. Yeah. That's all old people. Yeah. Like you and that. I don't use Facebook. That's why you're in a fucking Brighton suburbs WhatsApp group, mate. You, that's your age, mate. When... <laughs> When you when you uh, come down to Brighton, I'm going to just enter you into the group. So, uh, I see. I was going to give you this one, but I think you'll get boring with it. So, you can time travel. You can go back. It's okay. So, you can go back in time and uninvent something. What invention would you erase from history? Uh, I want to say. I want to say... People. <laughs> people. Uh, no. Like, I, like my phone, the mobile phone, 
Like, I love it, man, but I hate it. Do you know what I mean? Would you really uninvent the mobile phone? Yeah, I would, man, yeah. yeah. You mean like the tablet phone or just, just the phone that is... Just portable? the mobile phone, yeah. You've got to ring my house phone. Is Josh in? No, he's just gone out. You'll have to ring back later. Yeah. Did you used to have one of them sort of ring dial phones back in the day? No, but my great-nan did. <laughs> in 1892. <laughs> All right. Do you remember when cordless house phones came out? Yeah. And it was like you could walk around yeah. the house on the cordless house phone. Yeah. And it was major. And then when answer, answer phones were quite new as well. Do you remember they used to have a little cassette in them, the answer phones? Yeah. Do you remember them? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd probably uninvent the mobile phone. Yeah. Uh, what would you uninvent, mate? I didn't even think about an answer for this. Let me on, think. Uh, what would I uninvent? I would uninvent WhatsApp groups uh, <laughs> of middle class parents. The Brighton WhatsApp yeah. group. <laughs> uninvent them. I bet there's so much posturing in there, isn't there? Loads. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine that. Yeah. Um, your house is on fire. What material possession do you save? My phone. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so my hard drive is fire bombproof. So that can stay in there. I'll just pull it out afterwards. Has it ever so, been tested? So all my photos. You're just are taking there. their words for it, aren't you? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I am. You're a very trusting person. But it's not like the old days, isn't it, where it would be photo albums. Would it, that would that be the thing that you save? Yeah, man. Yeah. What else would I save? What else is in there that's worth saving? Like I've got to run in there and save one thing. Yeah. 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 My dog's not a material, is it? No. No. So what are you saving then? PlayStation 5? <laughs> <laughs> Honest, it is, isn't it? Maybe. No, I don't even play it. Uh, yeah, photo albums. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe, yeah, my old Everything photo albums. Everything else is like, replaceable, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, my red record of achievement. Because you can't get a job without them. Did you? <laughs> we didn't have them in our school. Didn't you? What, mate? This red book. I know what it was, yeah. Yeah. They, they were like, at school, they were like, if you lose this, that's it. You'll be homeless. You won't get a job. Like, no one, no one is going to interview you without your red record of achievement. Do you remember stenciling? Do you what? remember like when like they used to have like little letters cut out of a bit of plastic and used to use them to do neat? Well, yeah, but they writing. still exist, mate. No one uses them anymore. Well, kids do. No, they don't. <laughs> do they? <laughs> I don't have a stencil so. in my house. Do you? Um, I think it's been uninvented, Josh. No. They still exist, man. All right. I could have so much fun with this. I'm going to do one more. Go on, right? do one more. If you were guaranteed an honest answer to one question, what would you ask and who would you ask it to? Yeah, uh, this is the one question that I thought about earlier, man. And I, I, like I, I, there's loads, like there's a few political answers that I could give to stars. Uh, have you got an answer to this one? No. You haven't got a fucking answer to any of them. I'm you? the host. Yeah, but I don't you're still need supposed any answers. to answer him. I'd ask you why you. This is typical you, by the way. This is typical you. Terrible. This typical you on my on um, my show. I'm going to give him 15 questions and tell him I'll only ask three of them. <laughs> so my homework is like quadruple. But you haven't given times me times ten. You haven't given me any quality answers. I have to keep going. I have given you quality answers. So the question is, I can ask anyone a question and definitely get an honest answer. Yeah. I'd ask Jennifer Aniston if she fancies me. <laughs> 
Are you ready for the honest answer? I reckon she might say yeah. Okay. <laughs> what, Jennifer Aniston today? She or? was just my crush when I... Well, she uh, looks yeah. exactly the same today. I don't think so. She does, mate. She does. Okay. She does. Okay. Well, she'll reject you anyway. Who was your crush at school? Have we we've we've this had before? this. Yeah, we've so had who this. was it then? I'm not going to do it again. Who was it? <laughs> right, so next section. Right, so today we're going to talk about imposter syndrome. Yeah. And the context for this is... Um, you came down uh, to Brighton, met with me and the team, very generous of you. Um, and you spent a morning with us, really just kind of digging into our, our social media, things we could be doing and stuff like that. And one thing that you sort of said to me was around how people don't really know who I am and what I'm about. You know, about you, yeah. I said about people me. don't know who yeah, you not, are. Not, yeah. yeah, not the company. And where that was coming from was actually, I think people... Um, I often on here, I talk about being a coach and I sort of try and bring some of that knowledge into this space. But the thing I don't talk very openly about is the fact that I've started three companies and I run a successful company and, uh, you know, I'm a CEO. Even now, it's sort of just saying it feels a bit weird. Yeah. And, and you've probably, by the way, and bearing in mind, we talk about work every episode. Yep. I reckon most listeners, that'll be the first time they've heard, oh, he's, wow, I didn't know that, that he's yeah. the CEO of a company. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what that led me to kind of think about was I find it difficult to acknowledge that. Yeah. Because I think I've got, still got weird imposter syndrome around it. Yeah. And so I wanted to talk about imposter syndrome. Yeah. Because I think I'm not unique. I think a lot of people suffer with imposter syndrome in the world. In fact, the, f the term was first coined back in the late 70s by uh, doctors Clance and Imes in the States. And they were basically looking at uh, uh, professors, administrators, students who were extremely concerned about being exposed as a fraud. So it comes from the fear of being exposed as a fraud. That's kind of where yeah. the original kind of... Um, uh, kind of definition emerged from. So I know you do a lot of work around imposter syndrome. I want to dig into that a little bit today. So tell me what you know to be around imposter syndrome and why do you think it's so prevalent, particularly in today's society? Look, when, when I say why do I think it's so prevalent, I think everybody gets imposter syndrome, right? And I think um, I think imposter syndrome is a, is a positive thing in and of itself, as in um, it exists to try and protect us. And I think if you if you look at what you just said there in terms of like, it's about not wanting to be exposed as a fraud. The idea that you're a fraud stems from shame, right? The root, the, the, the idea that you're not good enough, you know? And people have heard Brene Brown talk about guilt says I've done bad, shame says I am bad, yeah? John Bradshaw says, guilt says I made a mistake, shame says I am a mistake, right? So what we're talking about at the core is shame. And shame is awful, yeah? Shame is, is will keep you alone in this world. Shame will keep you in hiding. And so at some stage in our life, we develop mm, coping strategies for that when we're, when we're young. And I think imposter syndrome is one of them, a part of us that believes the best way to protect us is to try and prevent us from trying to excel anywhere or succeed in our lives too much because there's too much risk. And there is risk, by the way. 
isn't there, right? So so it's trying to cross back. The problem is, is, is when it becomes a problem and what you might call a syndrome, I guess, uh, is when it becomes so polarized, it cripples you and stops you doing things. Yeah. And, and for a lot of people that can really occur, right? Like they, like they get so caught up with their belief around what might go wrong or being exposed or how other people might perceive them that they don't take the first step. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the first step is so gargantuan in their head that they won't even go anywhere near it. Well, let's take, if we can, the the example that you brought, which is you, right? So, yeah. so you um, struggle with you or have struggled with a, like saying that you run three businesses, that you're a CEO of a company and stuff like that. That's prevent prevented you, like really, from. Um, putting yourself out there fully and letting people, you know, potential people that could really help you, support you, or even invest in what you're doing in some way, you've stopped yourself from being out there and in front of them because your, your imposter syndrome is telling you that you shouldn't talk about it. If you had to uh, articulate why uh, you don't do it, rather than just saying, because I've got imposter syndrome, if you had to articulate why you don't, talk openly about being a CEO, what would, what, how would you articulate that? Um, I think it's, I think it stems from, uh, childhood with, you know, and, um, yeah, but before we go deep on it, yeah. What actually, if I said to you post now on LinkedIn and say, uh, I'm a successful CEO of company, um, and I'm doing really well. What's the first thing that you think? Oh, I don't want to show off. You don't want to show off. Yeah. Right. So what is it about? Uh, I, I, like, I don't want to be performative. I don't want to kind of look at me. I'm the big I am. I just, I've always been quite happy to be like a, uh, what's called a servant leader where you're, you know, my role. I, I think, um, just to go back, I think the childhood thing is important, but I'll come back to it. Yeah, we will bit. come to that. Yeah, but, yeah. but I think it's, you know, my, my job has always just been, you know, be a conciliary, a sort of a, a council, like, you know, help people be successful. I've often sort of seen myself as somebody to help other people be successful. And so I've shied away from limelight. So doing this has been huge, as you know, for me, just even posting stuff online is, is big because I think a big part of it is I just don't, you know, it's just I find it a little bit show-offy. So do you think when I post something on social media... It's not a trick question. It's not a trick question, right? I'm just exploring it. Yeah. When I post something on social media, do you think I'm showing off? No. No. So what makes you think you're showing off if you do it? Firstly, I don't think, I think, well, well there are two, there are some distinct differences. I don't think you kind of talk about um, being a CEO, right? You don't talk so much about your successes. You, you offer a lot of value to the world. That's kind of yeah, the yeah. predominant approach. Um, but the reason I don't think of it about you is because uh, I'm not you, you know, and you're not me. Ignore right? me for a minute. No, what I what, mean, yeah, by, sorry, what I mean by that is I'm going to be, I'm my own worst critic. I'm my own worst enemy. Like, that's basically what it is. That's like, I, I'm going to pick the flaws in myself before I'm going to pick the flaws in you. Okay, so that's slightly different to thinking it's showing off. What you've described to me there is more, I don't think I'm good enough to say it. Maybe, 
but that, but I think that's it stems from some of that. Yeah. So you've got this thing of like, to you, which which is interesting as well, right? Because you said um, it's always been my job to help other people and ever elevate other people. I always think, and then you've got this. So so it feels showy offy to just talk about my successes. And then there's this other piece that you just talked about. This is like, you know, I'm my own worst critic, so I don't sort of think I'm sort of good enough. So then I think that if you start at that place and then you go back to the childhood stuff and ask your, so can you remember the first time where, where your inner critic showed up? Can you remember the first time where there something in you said to you, you shouldn't do this or you're not good enough to be doing that? I don't recall it now. I'm sure I would be able to dig into it. I'm sure it's probably pretty present. I mean, I think, um, yeah, with, with childhood, I think there was just, uh, there, was, there was probably very few kind of moments of continuous kind of positive reinforcement, right? And so I sort of carried a bit of that. But I think I would say the formative elements of it were me being at school and not being successful academically at school. I didn't get an A star in English. Unlucky, uh, mate. Unlucky. Unlucky. <laughs> um, didn't get a record of achievement book either. <laughs> um, you know, and and so I sort of left school or A-levels at 18, feeling like a failure, went into the working world. And even though I was being successful... So you didn't get any grades when you left school? Nothing to... to yeah, nothing that could have got me into university. Okay, right. Yeah. Um, and the problem was I had also been conditioned to only be able to go for a, a really good university because of the school I went to. So I probably, I probably could have scraped in somewhere, but because I was like, had been conditioned that you can only go to this, I'd sort of said, well, like, that's a failure, so I can't do that. Yeah. Anyway, I started working and even as I was, you know, progressing quite um significantly through my career even as I went from being a junior person to running a a, a, a region mm. uh, so arrogant mate so show offy <laughs> I'm just gonna post about it in a minute. <laughs> um I still couldn't really acknowledge it yeah couldn't, and even though um people would compliment me I couldn't really receive it and I think um in HR you are often not seen as a business leader like the function isn't seen as a it's seen more as an administrative role so yeah you're never really told you could run be a ceo you're almost like there as a side side man or woman and um and uh and so you know in doing it it just sort of it was organic and so i just don't think i've sort of stopped to recognize it but i think it's doing a disservice to not just to me but the team and to you know people around me so I think it was a real like aha moment as to like just embracing it. And even now talking about it, you can probably sense it in me. I'm sort of uncomfortable even talking about it. You know? Yeah, I can tell like even uh, even some of the questions that I've asked you, I can feel you're a little bit like, I don't want to think about them properly and go into them even because. Well, it's not that I don't want to. I just think it, I think I would probably, I'm, I'd be conscious that we're talking here and I'd want to give you an answer that, but I don't know if that's the true answer. Yeah, 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 of course. Um, but I actually wanted to, I, I pulled out some stats. Um, uh, it was a recent YouGov uh, uh, poll. And they said that 66% of Britons find it difficult to accept compliments and praise from other people. Yeah. 
So it is, it is quite endemic, you know, like it's, it is something that we all seem to kind of have at some point, right? Not all, but, you know, quite a significant portion. Do you, um, s- you struggle with it, with the receiving compliments? Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. Always have. I find, I find it very, very difficult. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I always say when, when things went on Zoom through COVID, at the beginning of when you get introduced to do, like when I'm doing a talk or whatever, when you're on stage, you get introduced, you can just sort of, you're in the zone, do you know what I mean? You're ready to, you're, you're ready, you're about to talk. When you get introduced on Zoom and they, like, they always big you up if you're on podcast or if you're about to do a talk, they're talking about all the good accolades and all that. When you're on Zoom, you can see your face. Hmm. So you can see how you're reacting to the compliments that's being <laughs> given. The, like, the, and do it's I like, smile do I smile? Yeah. Do I like, yeah. do I like nod as if to say, yeah, that's me. Or do I look slightly awkward because like I shouldn't be overly accepting it. It's really weird, man. And it showed like, it really highlights to me how awkward I am with. Do you know what's also really weird? You know, when on game shows on TV, yeah, when people applaud themselves when they've won. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit like that, isn't it? Um, <laughs> 57% of people criticise themselves more than other people criticise them. 57%, yeah. And 58% of people have high expectations of themselves. And I think that's a huge part of... What was the last one? 58% of people have high say they have high expectations of themselves. Yeah. I think that's probably one of the, the biggest contributing factors for my own imposter syndrome is because I actually feel like I have to be perfect before I can declare it to the world. And that is down to my need for control, my need for how I you know, manage my reputation and all those sorts of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I'd taking- I'd much rather lurk in the background. Yeah, than... and taking the CEO thing, you'd probably, you know, you'd have to be the owner of a multi-billion pound company with thousands of staff before you were able to say to yourself all right i think i'm a decent ceo now and even then probably Maybe not yeah 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 um an old boss of mine said don't tell me you're funny just make me laugh yeah and that's kind of my philosophy like i don't want to like, i almost feel like i want to show i'm a ceo rather than tell people i'm a ceo which is what i try and do yeah but i, I just i think um I'm doing myself, as I said, I'm doing myself a disservice in doing that, right? And I'm doing others around me a disservice. Yeah, and I think the, the the key thing here is you don't even show it. That's the thing, right? Yeah. You don't show it. That's, you know, yeah. you can say, don't don't tell me you're funny, show me it. Yeah, I don't. You ain't fucking making anyone laugh, mate. So do you understand know what I'm saying? I make a lot of people laugh. Look at you laughing right now. Oh, you laughing at your own joke. <laughs> I'm laughing Again. at myself, yeah. Um, so how does imposter syndrome show up for you, though? Because for all intents and purposes, to everyone in the world, Josh, super confident, building his profile. He can speak on stage whenever he's asked. He does live TV. He's building, like, he's gone from, uh, you know, doing videos behind a bin when he was working in his old job to now, like, having 130,000 followers plus or probably more than that right now. Um, It's a lot more than that. (laughs) Look at you. No imposter syndrome. Um, does it show? Do you have imposter syndrome? Yeah, yeah, man, yeah, like, like big time, big, big time, um, as much as anyone else, you know. Um, the one thing that I would say is that I've done quite a lot of work around all the different parts of myself, right? And so, you know, people talk about authenticity and like be your true self, right? As if there's like one true self, yeah. And although there is one true self, that's like 
I know I'm in that when I'm being compassionate, curious, calm, and all of that stuff. And if you look at something called internal family systems, right? If you start to get at one with all of the parts of yourself. So I've got the imposter, the part that tells me that you're not good enough and you're gonna fail shows up strongest whenever I go into a corporate company and I'm about to deliver something. Every single time, it tells me this is where you're gonna get found out, yeah? This is where it's all gonna fall down, you know? This is where you're gonna get exposed. Um, but as well as the imposter, I've got like the cocky, arrogant part of myself that was developed when I was younger, right? Uh, that developed because of my cripplingly low self-worth, right? And I've got cripplingly low self-worth. Despite putting myself out on social media in the way that I do, I can't take a selfie. Like, I can't take a picture of myself, you know, uh, I'm doing some stuff with Rob and they want, he wants me to take progress pictures and I just haven't, I just won't take one, right? Because I don't, I, I've got cripplingly low self-worth, but one of the ways I combated that throughout my life is I developed like a cocky and arrogant part of myself. So, so when I'm being my most cocky and arrogant, it's normally as a defense mechanism against feeling low self-worth, yeah? Uh, you know, I, I, I do look in the mirror a lot and stuff like that, but it's not from a place of, being more than, I look in the mirror a lot from from a place of less than. But I've got that cocky, arrogant part. I've got like the tough guy part of myself that um, shows up when I'm around particularly a lot of men because I find being around a lot of men scary. So I pump my chest out and talk about fights that I didn't have, right? But, but the more that I get to understand all of these parts, the more that I can start to interact with them. And rather than trying to get rid of them or make them go away, I see them with compassion and try and welcome them with love. So I ask the imposter, you know, that imposter part of myself, I question, you know, if it's showing up strongly and becoming polarized and making me not want to do something, I can interact and say, what are you scared of? Why, like, why are you worried here? And then I can almost tap into the other parts. You know, if it's saying, I feel like we're going to get exposed. I feel like if you do this corporate gig, everything's going to fall down. I can be like, yeah, I get that. And I'm grateful that you're here to make sure that I do my best when I do it. But I've also got the cocky, arrogant part of myself. And if all else fails, I'll front it out. And I think the more that you become... Uh, like in touch with all of those parts of yourself, the more that you can allow yourself to show up and you're in control of it. So when we're here doing the podcast, I show up as like the, the jovial, messy about, joking and all that. That's a part of myself that I feel comfortable in, that I know is good to be in this space and helps protect me, you know? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. long-winded answer. No, no, not at all, not at all. I, I think also, I think it's an important point that, you know, the reason that you and I are talking about is because we know, it's real. We know it exists. We know a lot of people, um, you know, are affected by it. I won't say suffer with it because both you and I believe that actually it's it's a good thing if if understood, you know. In yeah, that. but people do suffer with it when it becomes polarized. Yeah, because it yeah. stops them from being able to do stuff. But yeah. diff different people have different kind of um, experiences with it is what I'm saying. Yeah. But I also recognize that it isn't the majority part of me, right? And you talk about different parts. And I'd say the majority of part of me does feel like a CEO acts like one, does all the stuff that I need to, right? Yeah. And I think people's experience of me would probably um, uh, attest to that as well. Yeah. I don't think I come across as somebody that doesn't ha have confidence in in, in, being, in doing that role. I think the key thing is actually almost allowing myself to declare it outside of myself and outside of my circle. Um, and I do remember that there was like, you know, there was, you asked me about the moment where it maybe showed up. I think it probably, you know, going to a private school, but not having a lot of money, there was probably some of that from there, right? Yeah. You know, and um, trying to kind of keep up with people where I didn't have the means or the resources to keep up with them. And what's really interesting is I think it was mostly in my head, 
because you know the friends I had were great friends. I didn't really care about that sort of stuff, but it was mostly in my head. So I think there was probably that. But if I reframe kind of what I created in that in those early years was it wasn't about being an imposter, but it was actually being comfortable in all circumstances. Yeah. And being able to assimilate when I need to or being strong in who I need to be in the moment, right? And just being able to just get on with whoever I need to get on with. And that's always been a skill of mine. So you can throw me in a room and I may be quite uncomfortable in a large group, even though it doesn't show up that way. Yeah. I'll be fine. Yeah. Because I've always... And, and so I think I reframe the imposter syndrome into like survival instinct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's... So that's a good kind of... Uh, you know, it's a good way to kind of look at it, that it shows up in a way that could be um, destructive for me, but often I've sort of, I use it to kind of... Yeah, and I think that that sense? it does make sense, yeah. And it becomes destructive when you don't understand it fully. And that's, you know, I see a lot of advice online that says, don't listen to the imposture, it's not your voice, it's somebody else's voice, get rid of it, and all that sort of stuff. And listen, by the way, if it works for people, then that's absolutely fine. But I actually say... Look, if there was a part of you that's trying to protect you, which I believe it is, and you tell it to shut up and try and get rid of it, what's it going to do? It's going to get stronger. Mm. It's going to panic and think, like, you know, if I go, then, you know, Josh is going to feel the shame and my job is to protect him from that. So it's going to get bigger and make me be even more of a post imposter, yeah? That's really interesting. And so when you see it with compassion and with love and you go, you almost be like, look, I, I, I'm grateful that you're here and I understand your fear of shame and I recognise that, but if you let me... I'd really love to work with you, yeah, to 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 be able to move forward and to be able to do the things and 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 you know not end up in the very thing that you're trying to protect me from, which is shame. And that's when you start to see use in it because you know when I do go and do the corporate stuff, I turn up with some banging stuff to do because the imposter's in my ear all the time saying you better make sure this is bloody good, otherwise you're going to get found out. So I don't want shot of it. Do you know what I mean? Because it like when when I'm in control of it, when I'm in the driver's seat, when I've got all of the parts of myself, you know, in communion and 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 working together, that's when I'm going to be able to tackle the world in in my best. When one of them becomes polarized, you know, the the the, the most obvious polarized part of me was in my late teens, early twenties, and it was that tough guy part that I talked about who pumped his chest out all the time, his resting face was angry. And that was polarized because it was so terrified that if it disappeared, then I'd crumble. Yeah. And you know what? It was probably right. So it existed and polarized and kept me safe until I was presented with another way that, that you know, that they could I could start to get that bit to trust that it didn't need to be as polarized. Yeah, yeah. Really powerful. I think... Um Something that Krish talks about, and I know he got it from someone else, but I can't remember the source of it, but he, he says, if you name it, you claim it. Yeah. So actually, rather than, you know, it, it was reminding me of when you're feeling really anxious about something, like the most ineffective thing to do is tell yourself to calm down. Yeah. It doesn't work, right? Yeah. But reframing it or understanding its role and just being able to be with it and then take control, right? So if you're feeling anxious, and you know, try breathing or reframing kind of how that's showing up for you. I think with imposter syndrome as well, if you kind of understand what it is, you can then utilize it, put it away, work with it, as you say, that's powerful. So let's say you're, um, and this is really now moving on from us and what we know about it and really yeah. just kind of maybe giving some tips to, to, to people that might be listening that do suffer with it um, in a kind of debilitating way. How do you, um, 
how do you bring mindfulness to a situation where it's really like present in the moment? So you might be going in to do something quite important or you're about to give a presentation or something like that. How do you bring mindfulness in that moment? So look, there's actually a really good framework that I use in some of the resilience work that I do, which is to acknowledge, accept, alter, and then act, right? And so if you're feeling overwhelmed by the imposter, you shouldn't try and shut it up and try not to listen to it because as we've established, that's gonna make it get louder. So you have to first acknowledge it and then you have to accept that it's there. So what a lot of us will do is like, we'll acknowledge it, recognize that like, there's a lot of imposter syndrome going on, then we won't accept it. Nah, fuck it, I'm all right, I'm gonna be fine, right? Which is not the same as accepting and going, okay, my imposter is polarized at the moment, yeah? So I'm gonna first accept that. And, and, and to be mindful in our acceptance, we go, okay, the imposter's here, where do I feel it in my body? So then you might be like, okay, there's a heaviness on my shoulders. The imposter I can feel is really worried about something. Right. So then you're in your body now. You've acknowledged where you're at. You've accepted what you're at. The reframe is not about getting rid of the imposter. Right. The reframe is about rather than trying to bat it off, tell it to go away. I don't want you and all that stuff is to be compassionate. What are you scared of? You're like, what, what is your biggest concern if I go in and do this workshop at this company? Yeah. Mm. Right. Your biggest concern is that I'm going to fail. Right. And you're worried that if I fail, then I won't be able to deal with the resulting emotions. And then what you'll normally find is that the imposter thinks that you're still a young kid. Yeah. So then you can actually be like, look, I'm an adult now. I've got lots of things at my disposal. I've got my intellect. I've got my strength. I've got these other parts of myself. Right. And then the reframe in there is to be able to say like to the imposter, I'm glad you're here. Right. I'm glad you're here. I'm going to I'm going to make sure that I've got all of the tools that I need when I go in there. Right. And if you'll work with me. I believe we can go in and do this and avoid the shame that you're scared of. And then that's how you create the new story. Because then you're working together. This is not part of yourself you're trying to get rid of. You've accepted it. Recognize why it's there. You're grateful for it. You're compassionate to it. And like, it's a part of you. So why would you ever talk with some of the like destructive, harsh language that people talk about? Brilliant. Any other advice around it? that was fucking pretty good advice. It man. was, it was. <laughs> It's also your trademarked model as well, isn't it? Uh, yeah, no, but like, like I guess the, the, the one thing I would say is like, the all, like always, whenever we're feeling overwhelmed or like polarized in one way, stop fighting against it. Stop fighting against it and go, hang on a minute, this is happening for a reason. And rather than trying to fight against myself all of the time, why don't I look at it from a more of a positive perspective and question, why is this part of me showing up? And what could I learn from it? Which is a lot different to fucking... Me again, I'm gonna, you know, bloody imposter or that anxiety's here, it's yeah. always here. Yeah. Which, by the way, will happen sometimes. And I yeah. think then you have to be compassionate for that as well. You know, when if you're driving on icy road, yeah, and you sp and you start spinning, yeah, what, what's the advice is to turn into the spin? Yeah, 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 I like that, man. Mm. Turn into the spin, turn into the spin, yeah, you should get a t shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, that was really good. And uh, for me, it was, uh, I didn't even think, I, I mean, I, I posed a bunch of questions that I was going to put at you and then you turned it back on me. So I sort of felt a bit uncomfortable. I think it's really important using this platform to talk about stuff that people don't always talk about, which is why what we do is really important. So I think imposter syndrome, as we know, is something that is really real, particularly with social media. A lot of it goes on. There's a lot of performance going on. Mm. Um, and so you often sort of really thought, think about yourself um, 
in a way that you know could be potentially destructive so i think it's a really good conversation yeah man and just to quickly say because i know we don't really do reasons to be cheerful anymore do we but uh on on the subject of just coming down because it wasn't until i wrote it in whatsapp to you the next day um that i thought wow what like a journey that was for me to come as a little bit of a like social media growth expert to your company mm. right and talk to all of the people there um and like we i just put in a message to you didn't i that when i first met you i was still making videos to put on just facebook that's all i had mm. uh on my personal page i was making videos behind the skip at the factory that i worked at um on my lunch breaks and didn't think i'd be able to leave my job because i didn't know how I'd, if i'd be able to make the money um and then with your help, your support, and your guidance, and lots of other stuff as well. Fast forward five years, I've come in as a like growth social media expert to your company. Do you know what I mean? Like yep. I've got my own six figure company now, which is like, I've gone straight into saying something quickly after I've said that, because I wanted to brush over the fact that I'm saying that about yeah. my own, yeah. I've got the same shit going on, yeah? But it's that like, it feels weird. It feels crazy for me to say that, man. But. Yeah. You know, what a crazy journey. What a crazy journey that we've been on, you know? You started off mentoring me and now I'm your mentor. <laughs> I started mentoring you as a, as a CEO of a three company. But it's crazy, yeah, because w like, I, like we talk about all this imposter and that, but when I first met you, you were like, you should do workshops. And I was like, what's a workshop? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You're still asking that question. <laughs> <laughs> but it's mad, isn't it? And yeah. then we sat, do you remember? We sat yeah. down and we built a workshop. Yeah. And then the first one that I ever, first workshop I ever went to was one that I delivered to yeah. a leadership team at a global company. Yeah. That's had to do it though, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Imposter syndrome was big then, by the way. Yeah. Was big yeah. then. Do you remember? I took my laptop with the presentation on it and got there and I like, yeah. they were like, have you got a clicker? And I was like, don't know. I don't know what a fucking clicker is. <laughs> but you so, made it. What, what's really interesting is all of that was happening and you made it and then they came back for more and more and it's been a repeat kind of client, right? So there's a learning which is, you know, you've got to go through these moments for yourself. You've got to go through that journey to get to the other side, to, to understand how resilient, how strong, how tough you are, how much you can kind of get through these challenges, even though your head is telling you, I can't do this, I don't know what I'm doing, I'm gonna get found out. Yeah, man, and it's that like the cliche of dare to fail do you know what I mean? Dare to fail because what have you always told me since day one about failure? There's no failure, just learning curves. Yeah. Is that what you say? Yeah. And like, I've had a lot of them, man. A lot of them. And like, uh, I know we've talked about it probably on here before, but that, do you remember the event I'd done like f three or four years ago? Do you remember I was going to do an event in Swindon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, f and yeah. didn't sell any tickets. Yeah. So I'm about to like quickly close it down. Yeah. And now I'm doing the breathwork all over the UK. Sold out and that. Yeah. Mental, man. Yeah. Brilliant. All right, great chat, man. Enjoyed See you this, mate. See you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, good man. Thanks again for listening to 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Khan.